all know preparing for a baby is overwhelming. The doctor's appointments, nursery setup, and trying to navigate the millions of must-have baby products that are out there. I am thrilled to tell you about this week's sponsor, Simply Magnetic Me, because it was created by two parents who are on a mission to make parenting and dressing easier. And who doesn't want that? Simply Magnetic Me offers GOTS certified 100% organic cotton essentials like footies, coveralls, and bodysuits, all featuring safety tested magnetic closures. No fumbling with tiny snaps or buttons during those middle of the night diaper changes. You can get baby dressed quickly so everyone can get back to sleep. You may have heard of Magnetic Me. Simply is their new sister brand that offers the same beloved magnetic closures at a more affordable price. You can create a custom bundle on their website, combining the prints, styles, and sizes that you want with outfits as low as $15. The more outfits that are in your cart, the more you save. And trust me, babies need a lot of outfits. It's true. <laughs> Say no to snaps and head to simplymagneticme.com to stock up on no fuss essentials and use code MLN20 for 20% off your order. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, we are doing a birth story. And it's a birth story, but there's two babies. Yeah, we're doing a twin birth story this week. These are Momo twins. And Momo twins are the rarest type of twins there are. So there are a few different types of twins out there. It's not just fraternal versus identical. There are a few other factors in play. So this week, Molly joined me on the podcast to share her story of her twins, her Momo twins. She was kind enough to reach out to us and share her story via email and say, hey, I just want to shed light on this type of pregnancy because I was just completely unaware that I had to be hospitalized at this point, and it means that I'm super high risk, and I just was completely blindsided. So I wanted to come on here and share my story and make sure if anybody else is out there experiencing the same thing, like this is what happened with me, and you know I'm all about that. So I was like, sure, let's have you on. Let's talk about it. Molly did a really, really fabulous job of telling her story and shedding light onto not only the medical aspects of her experience, but also the mental and the emotional aspects of her experience being pregnant with a Momo uh, pregnancy and having Momo twins. So she just does a great job and super excited to share this episode with you guys. So I don't want to spoil anything. Let's just get straight into it and let's hear from Molly. 
Hi, Molly. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, where you're from, anything you want to share? Yeah, um, I just had twin boys in March. And let's see, I'm a fourth grade teacher. And that's pretty yeah, much it. That's good. That's a lot. Your life, you know, is busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we are going to be talking about your birth story of your two baby boys. So usually what I have people do is kind of start off, you know, from the beginning. Let's talk about your pregnancy a little bit and then your birth. Okay. Uh, So we found out we were pregnant in September. It was just a surprise and um, everything was going smoothly. We went and got our ultrasound. Everything was, you know, all was good until in November, I was having some severe pains in my kidneys and um, I called my OB and she urged me to go to the ER and they sent me down to radiology and the ultrasound tech was looking at my kidneys. And I asked her, I said, Hey, do you mind going over my baby? I just, I haven't seen arms and legs. You know, the last time I saw an ultrasound, baby looked like a jelly bean. And she was reluctant, but I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And so she did. And then her eyes got really big (laughs) while she's in my stomach. And I'm looking at her, you know, I'm scared because I think something's wrong. And so I'm I'm looking at her as I was like, what's going on? And she's going so fast that I can't even see on the screen, like what she's looking at. And I was like, can you slow down? I, I, she was, um, I was like, what's going on? What's wrong? She's like, did you say baby? (laughs) So I, I looked at her and I said, um, well, yeah, of course, a baby. I don't, what else would be in there? I just got so big. And I said, what's going on? Please tell me. And she finally just said, well, there's two babies in there. And at this point, I was 16 weeks pregnant and just completely floored because my OB on the first ultrasound, I think we even asked, there's just one, right? And she assured us there was just mm-hmm. one. So come to find out. In a couple of weeks, I was sent to a maternal fetal medicine doctor because my type of twins were a very, very rare type called the monoamniotic mm-hmm. twins. So that was probably why we couldn't see them on that first ultrasound because they were just right on top yeah. of each other because they share an amniotic sac. So that was kind of the start of our whirlwind of a pregnancy. It was so much fun telling everybody I was pregnant, but then it was way more fun telling them I was pregnant with twins you know, multiple yeah, weeks later. Yeah. Wait, I want to know how you told both times. Like, was it like just anything crazy or you just told them? Um, the first time, well, when we found out we were first pregnant, my husband, I mean, I was, I don't even know what, like six weeks pregnant. There was no waiting for him. Yeah. He told anybody he, saw, he was so Aww. excited and I was too, but I was, you know, ready to kind of wait and keep it on the download. But nope, we just told anybody and everybody. And it was, we were just thrilled. And everyone was kind of expecting huh. it. We were, it was our time yeah. to have kids. When we were all, he and I were very surprised about the twin pregnancy. It was so much fun. Everybody's face was just like big eyes. <laughs> complete shock. Basically exactly how I took it. I think the only person that was, didn't seem shocked was my husband. When he came in, it was his birthday when we found out oh. and he walked into the to the ER because I told him yeah. not to come and then I called him and was like you need to get here uh, immediately and he came he's like what's going on I was like well they didn't find kidney stones they found another <laughs> baby we're having twins <laughs> and happy birthday he just big smile he was oh so, so yeah that week was Thanksgiving and we did announce like you know we were going around what are you thankful yeah. for and I was like well I'm thankful for a second Aww, baby <laughs> that was fun that's so cute yeah it was a big shock everybody already knew I, you were, I was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, they were probably just expecting you to say, well, I'm thankful. 
for a baby, you know? Yeah. So that whole week, I think week of Thanksgiving, I was just Googling everything and I didn't know uh, that there was, you know, there's fraternal and identical twins, but I did not know that there were three different ways that they could develop inside yeah. the uterus. And so that's what I was ultra researching that week and had a list of questions for every type of pregnancy. And then teaching my husband with like a chart, like, okay, so here it is. If I, if the, like, here are the three different types. And this one type, we probably aren't going to have the mono mono twins because that's like less than 1% of twins. It's very, very rare and it's really dangerous. So it's probably not us. So we're either going to have die die twins or mono die twins. And then we go to our MFM appointment and we find out that we're having mono mono twins and I'm just mm-hmm. crying. Like I, I look at my OB and I'm just like, well, that's really dangerous, right? Like, what does that mean? And, but I'm just tears mm-hmm. are streaming down my face because it's the only thing I didn't want to hear. And she just looked at me and said, well, yeah, that changes just about everything. And it was just a really scary time. I went from pure joy to pure fear real yeah. fast. So yeah, that's yeah. my story. Yeah, no, that's rough. I mean, I want you to go more into what she meant by now everything changes, because I think we're in agreement. Like you said, a lot of people think that it's just fraternal or identical and they don't really understand what these different types mean um, and how rare the Momo type is, but also, yeah, how dangerous it can be and what type of restrictions or, you know, just multiple checkups, things that mom has to be aware of um, and kind of go through. So what did that conversation and that appointment kind of lead to in terms of that? Okay, so I guess I can briefly talk about the three different types sure. if you want me to. The die-die twins, the dichorionic, diamniotic, meaning there's two chorionic sacs, the outer sacs, and two inner sacs, two placentas. These are the most common types of twins. Two-thirds of twins are these types. All fraternal twins are die-die twins. It's the safest kind of twins to have. And But I think die-die twins, while all fraternal twins are die-die, there's a, still a 20 to 30% chance that die-die twins can be identical. Mm-hmm which a lot, I think a lot of people don't know that. And then there's the monodi twin. So they share an outer sac, but they have their own amniotic sacs. And, but they do share a placenta, which is a little more dangerous because they can, you know, one twin can get more nutrients mm-hmm. than the other, but those twins are all identical. And then the most, the least common, the mono-mono twins, mono-amniotic, mono-chorionic, share everything. And so with that, mono-mono moms are typically hospitalized at week around week 24. It can be sometime in between week 24 and 28. Now, I've heard in like different countries, some people really push for outpatient treatment as opposed to going inpatient. But for the most part in the United States, um, monomono moms are in the hospital for inpatient treatment starting at week 24. And then they don't let us deliver past 34 weeks gestation. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get to 32. And so my maternal fetal medicine doctors really push for that 32 mark. Um, The risks of stillbirth just go up after that 32 week mark. You just don't know. The biggest concern is the cord entanglement. So since my twins shared an amniotic sac, both of their umbilical cords were all intertwined. And you can imagine when they were so tiny and moving, 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 their cords just got all sort of knotted and crazy. So that's the biggest concern. I think with mono mono twins is that cord accident that could happen with the entanglement. But there's also twin-to-twin transfusion. There's IUGR to look for all sorts of complications that could potentially happen. But the biggest one would be the cord entanglement. So I was with my OB first when she first saw that they were mono-mono before I guess I went to an MFM. And she said, 
it changes everything. She had mentioned a hospital stay of like a week, maybe two before the babies come. And I was like, okay. And I had written a page of notes for every type of twin because when I first went in there, my OB was like, do you have any questions? I was like, I have a thousand questions, but I need to know what type yeah. of they are. And she's a mom herself. So that gave me some peace. But um, when I found out they were mono mono, I was like, I remember the due date was around 32 to 34 weeks. And I'm thinking of work. I'm like, well, I am a fourth grade teacher. I'm going to be missing. Hold yeah. on. I was like, my due date is May 8th. I was only supposed to miss a couple weeks of school when I was having just one baby. Well, then I found out having twins. And so that's another month. And then I found out having mono mono twins. Well, that's another month. Well, mono mono moms have to be in this hospital for two months before that. So that's another two months. I was like, I'm yeah. done teaching right now. Like I have no more. I'm going to say goodbye to my job. I've got to say goodbye to my life. Yeah. And I was overwhelmed with a lot of fear, but then I feel like I was also stripped a little bit of that. My third trimester, I didn't get it, literally didn't get half of it. And then I didn't get to experience the nesting portion, the being um, a childless adult. I didn't get to enjoy that last little bit with my husband at home. Um, The idea of a baby moon is almost comical to me. Like, like I spent my baby moon in a hospital, like stuff like that. Those are the things that kind of um, were that way heavy, but I had a really positive turnout with my baby. So it was all worth it. I will say it opened up my eyes to the world of high risk pregnancies that I wanted to, you know, with my time going forward, I wanted to bring some awareness to the fact that so many women go through such trauma with high risk pregnancies that I just, I just didn't know about. And while I feel like mine was a little uneventful um, and I'm grateful for that. There were a lot of women that I met in the PSU at my hospital and was just kind of overwhelmed by their stories. So, yeah, that's kind of why I reached out to you. I'm very, very happy. Happy is not the right word, but I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that you're coming on here and talking about the hardships of this because you're right. You have healthy babies and you had good outcomes, but a lot of people don't. And that doesn't discount all of these things that you missed and all of these things that you grieve. It is a grieving process that you Mm -hmm. went through. Wondering if you need to make a birth plan? Not sure what a birth plan even is? Here's the deal. As a labor and delivery nurse, I've seen a lot of different birth plans. Some I love and some... Well, not so much. (laughs) One thing that's certain though, I do recommend creating a birth plan before giving birth because overall I see birth plans as an empowering tool that gets mamas researching and thinking more about birth before it happens. But that can only happen if it's done right. That's why my team of labor and delivery nurses and I created a comprehensive yet simple birth plan template that has been used by thousands and thousands of women across the country. Grab your free birth plan template at mommylabornurse.com slash birth plan. That's mommylabornurse.com slash birth plan to grab your free birth plan template today. I want to get into like your birth story and learn more about when your babies were born and like kind of what happened. But I want to kind of go back to the hospital stay and when they admitted you and what that process was like. First, I joined a twin support group. And then when I found out about the mono mono twins, I found a more specific just for that type of twin group. And this group carried me through my whole pregnancy. And even today, like it's my favorite Facebook group I'm a part of or anyway. So that was one thing that really prepared me for my inpatient stay with this group. All the women that had been through it 
told me what to bring, what not to bring, what to expect, what not to expect, all of the things. So it was like this. <laughs> wow. I'm so grateful for being in a place where I knew I knew how my babies were doing at all times because we were monitoring them. And I'm so grateful for that. Leading up to my inpatient stay, it was like this impending doom of hospital incarceration. And with most people who are high risk, they go to an inpatient because of an emergency or something happened. And it's like a cause and effect sort of thing. For me, I had a date set where I knew I had to go into the hospital. And it's just, it was unique in that sense that I could prepare mentally, physically, all of that. And I'm very grateful I was able to do that. So we had a date picked out in my 24th week of gestation. And I had all these questions for my MFM. I was like, well, do I just like bring us, what do I do? I come to your office and bring a suitcase? And he's like, yep. (laughs) And I was like, do I make an appointment? And he's like, no, we're open 24 hours a day. It's not like a hotel, but you can treat it like one. I was just, this, it was so weird. I didn't know, I didn't know fully what to expect until you do it. But I did, I packed up my bags and I basically decorated my hospital room like it was my college dorm room. And um, I went for like a, a full anatomy scan that day. And then they brought me down to the PSU and and there I was. And then I signed papers saying that I can't leave until I'm discharged. Yeah. And so. Luckily, my hospital did allow me to like I was able to walk around and and get up and move and I could go outside. There was a lot of moms in my group that couldn't do that. They were either on bed rest or just their hospital restrictions or they went through it during COVID times or different things. But I was very lucky that I had a a really beautiful hospital with really great grounds that I could walk around. But it was every day was exhausting the amount of people that come into your room and I know like you work in a hospital but and anybody who's even stayed even just one or two nights after having a baby know how many interruptions Mm -hmm. you get it was like that for me for 60 days 60 days of just constant people coming into your room whether it be just with a knock or just barging right in I remember that first week thinking like when am I going to sleep like Mm -hmm. I just don't understand like I'm getting monitored through the night getting vital checks. I was like, Oh, this is so it was just it was a lot. I had to kind of make a calendar of all the time someone comes in my room and then figure out when can I get out or when can I get up and what's my new schedule going to be? And how do I handle this solitude? With also at the same time, I was never alone, but I was very alone. Mm. If that makes sense. It does. So I had lots of visitors and I had like a little calendar on my wall that I would write things down of like what to look forward to or how many days left and got to know the nurses really well. And all the staff really, the girl who brought me my lunches and my meals every day. And, you know, it's just, there's ways to make it positive for sure. But I can imagine people, especially going through it when they couldn't leave their rooms or they were going through it during COVID and couldn't have visitors. I I didn't have to go through it at that time, which I'm very grateful Yeah. So inpatient is, it's like you're, you're removed from your own world and put into a different one. I had to stop my job and I had to stop living my life in the way that I knew how and live it a different way. I want to ask you two questions. Looking back on the experience, are there things that you feel like you could have done differently to make it more positive or just change anything? And I also want to know for us as nurses, Is there anything that we can do differently for a patient like you that's staying, you know, an extended stay at the hospital? I would say overall, my experience was very positive. Visiting people in the hospital. I'm trying to think if there was a time I did that before I was a patient. Mm -hmm. 
I don't really think I have really visited people in the hospital. Maybe I don't know a ton of people who've been in the hospital. Yeah, a lot but of us don't. If you do know someone, visitors. Yeah. yeah. So if you know someone, just any you know, anyone listening, it means the world to them. It helps the day go by so fast when you have some just one thing to look forward to. If someone says, hey, I'm going to drop by for 20 minutes. Do you need anything? Or that was huge for me to have visitors. I had a lot of my students come with their parents. Wow. That was awesome to help stay connected. Something that I could have done differently. <laughs> I did have a list of things I wanted to get done that I didn't get done. I had a lot of interruptions. Enjoy the solitude. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is hard for me. I'm such an extrovert in this. I love and thrive being around mm-hmm. people. So there were times where I didn't really know what to do with myself in the alone times, the dark alone times. And so I wish I had like a had done better at picking like specific things to work on, like, okay, you need to like work on journaling or reading this book or this project or something. I didn't really do that. I was interrupted so much that I got distracted. But there were some dark times that I was, I would wallow in Netflix shows as opposed to something more productive. And then the nurses, oh my goodness, any of the nurses that took care of me are listening to this. You all did an amazing job. So I have no complaints. I'll just tell you what they did. I mean, they... With me being a long-term patient, they allowed me some freedoms that, I mean, just asking me like when I wanted to be monitored as opposed to like giving me this rigid schedule or listening to me when I'd be like, oh, I think the baby's over here and not over here. I mean, just like understanding that like I just wasn't some patient that knew nothing. I feel like they respected me and treated me like, I don't know. A person. Like a person in a bed, not just like you're a person, not just like a patient, if that makes sense. Like you're an actual person and I need your input to do my job better. I also think there's a big thing with this lack of control that you guys feel as long term patients. And it's like anything that we can do to give you a little bit more control back. I see that it does make a difference for patients. Like you just said asking you when it's a good time to come in and monitor saying, Hey, like, do you want me to come in overnight or not? Or this, that, and the other, just giving these patients a Mm -hmm. little bit more of like choices that they can choose from, or just a little bit more control. Cause a lot of this stuff is completely out of your control. Yeah, absolutely. They also did a good job of like getting to know me outside of where we were, you know, getting to know who I was and my family and vice versa. Like I enjoy getting to know them and about their families and being friends on social media now with a lot of the nurses that took care of me and, you know, getting to like, I went back yesterday, we had an appointment and got to take the twins and see them. And, you know, those nurses, I can imagine it being a hard job because they see these babies all the time, but they're just on a screen. And they don't see the outcome in the PSU. And so bringing them back, I think it helped me too to be like, look, I mean, I want you guys to see these are the guys that you guys took care of. And they're here because of your hard work. And the attitude that you have to take is one day at a time. And I feel like that's almost like a cliche, but it really, one day at a time, it's so hard to focus too far in the future Mm -hmm. when you're looking eight weeks ahead and you're like, I have to, I want to make it to the 32 week mark. But every week was a milestone and every week we got to knock off some of the scary things that could have potentially happened if the babies came early. Mm -hmm. So I celebrated every week or every day, really. But every week that they, we hit a new gestational age, it was like a party. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, yeah. No, so yeah. that's small, small wins. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was just going to say mm-hmm. before we go into birth story and just, you know, that mark, cause it sounds like you said 60 days. So it sounds like you made it. You made it I to did. 32 yeah. weeks. Yeah. I want to know if there were any memorable times in that 60 days that stuck out as like either good or bad. Like sometimes a patient will break their water and something changes about their plan of care or something like that. Okay. A couple of things. I met another long-term patient. She was doing a puzzle with her mom in like the family room and they were doing that puzzle in the morning. And then I went back to the family and they're doing a just second puzzle in the afternoon or yeah, in the afternoon. And I, I thought maybe I'll just introduce yeah. myself. She looks like she can play some games. Anyway, so I introduced myself to this girl. We are now very close. Our boys were born within a month of each other. So that's the huge thing that happened for me. I feel like I met a lifelong friend. Her Aww. name's Hannah. And so that was huge. I think I guess that was the answer in the last question is reach out to yeah. the other patients. I've met lots of different moms in the NICU process, but this is the only one really that I met in the PSU because it's just such a scary time um, when you're in there waiting, wondering. It's a lot of waiting and wondering, and we were able to do that together. And really, we fully understood how each other were feeling. I knew exactly the fears that she was going through because I was going through them myself. And so that was a, a big thing that happened. And then I guess another thing that was memorable I remember being in the hallway. I was filling up my water bottle at the ice machine next to the nurse's station. And I heard one of the nurses, this was at night, start yelling, umbilical cord out, umbilical cord out. And I, you know, heard stories about what is it called? A prolapsed cord. Yes, prolapsed cord. And I know it's Mm -hmm. rare. But so I you know, wasn't expecting it to happen while I was there. But golly, the rush and like the professionalism that I saw from the nurses that I see every day and I got to know these nurses so well. Oh, my gosh, they were so impressive. I mean, yeah. jumping into action in so many different ways, like some nurses were just running down the hallway to open up doors so that no one had to wait. And then some nurses were running to the phone. Some nurses were running to the room. I mean, so many things were happening that I just stood there and watched in awe of like how wonderful they, they work together and move so quickly to save this baby and this mother and rush that mother into delivery. Oh, it was just, it was like a beautiful moment and scary all at the same time. And I remember rushing to Hannah's room. That was something that she was worried about with her pregnancy. It was one of the complications. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you won't believe it. If it does happen to you, they know what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, all right. The sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of birth it up babies. This one says, I had my baby, hands up emoji, last night at 11.53 p.m., seven minutes before midnight, out in 15 minutes from the start of pushing. Wow, speedy quick. Thanks to your course. I had a successful natural home birth with my first baby. And thanks to your course, again, I had a hospital epidural birth I had planned for this one. Oh, cool. That's so cool. So she's a two-time birth it up student. (laughs) And she says, low-key, the hospital birth was actually my preference with the little monkey emoji like covering his eyes. I had no idea how amazingly supportive and wonderful labor and delivery nurses were. I mean, you guys know, I love any kind of birth that you want. Anywhere you want to give birth, cool. Like I'm down, right? I'll meet you there. But I just, I love that, especially if somebody who 
has experienced a home birth and is saying like, hey, I gave birth in the hospital too. And it like wasn't as bad as I thought. Like it was really great. That's just, yay. Yay. She said, I loved my epidural. Your resources helped me learn the best time to get it, how to help the anesthesiologist get the best poke, and also prepared me for what to expect. I loved my experience, felt empowered, and I'm so glad I bought your course my last pregnancy. It has been beyond worth what I paid for it and has been a necessary tool in my birth box two out of two times now. Thank you so much. Ugh. Currently in my postpartum room, soaking up newborn snuggles and feeling grateful for your help. Y'all, I love these. Oh, and then she sent a little picture of her little baby right there. I love them. Mm. If you want to have an even better birth or maybe two even better births, just like this mama, head on over to mommylibernurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Let's talk about when they were born. Tell me about like kind of the, a little bit of a, the lead up, because I'm sure you're at like 55 days. You're like, okay, I got to make it to my 60 yeah. now. Like I made it this far. <laughs> I got to make it to 60. Yeah. Oh, it was so wonderful. I mean, the MFMs that had come and seen me every day, they all came by that day before and just gave me the sweetest words of wisdom or, you know, just advice for the future with twin boys and the nurses had decorated my little board just they were everybody was really excited that I had made it another awesome thing was my OB had requested that I could stay in the PSU for my like recovery days instead of going to mother which is nice because I wouldn't you know my babies were definitely going to NICU and so I wasn't even gonna have my babies and mother baby so it just worked out perfect that I could come back there um, my husband came and stayed the night with me that night and I got no sleep I was just too excited still had to be monitored. <laughs> so it was like, okay, I, I still have to do these things that I've been doing for the past eight weeks. But one more night, we get up and we go. And um, I don't think I mentioned mono mono twin moms have to get C-sections or yeah. you know, it's the only way they deliver in the United States is through C-section because of the cord entanglement. Yeah. So that I actually had, I think over Thanksgiving break, you had a, a sale with your mm-hmm. birth class, your birth up series. I bought your unmedicated vaginal delivery. I was very excited about trying an unmedicated birth. And then, yeah, didn't get to do that. But Quickly yeah. like, changed courses yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do, I will say that one of the things that I was feeling was a lot of nerves about having a C-section specifically with the anesthesia, I was scared about having all the negative mm-hmm. side effects because if there's just something that's going to happen, it would happen mm-hmm. to me based off of what I've been through. So I was just like, not looking forward to not enjoying mm-hmm. the moment. I wanted to be comfortable and I wanted to enjoy the birth, the birthing process and not be throwing up or shaking the whole time. And so I was really nervous about that. I guess I kind of felt I guess I was grieving in a way of missing out of this, being able to birth my babies naturally and not getting to experience that and not having a choice Mm -hmm. in the matter. So I was a little upset about that, but you know, it is what it is. And I was willing to do whatever to get them here safely, of course, but I was a little sad. It was something I was looking forward to, but I will say that my C-section was the best experience and I would do it again and again and again. It was like, a party in the OR. It really, it was so much fun. I didn't have any negative side effects. I did take your course. So I was ready for everything. I mean, I felt very prepared and knew like, okay, I I knew that this was going to happen next because of what I had heard in your course. And I'm 
such a preparer that that helped me so much um, to just know what to look for. But my anesthesiologist was amazing. She, as soon as I was feeling like the slightest bit of nausea, like she just was on it. I don't know what she did, but she did it well. And I remember saying to her, like, all right, I told her, I said, I'm feeling kind of nauseous. She gave me a bag. She's like, okay, I'm working on it. And then, I mean, maybe five minutes later, I was like, all right, I'm feeling great. Let's do this. And I mean, I was so happy and euphoric. I remember my doctor was reading, you know, I guess before the surgery and we had so many people in there because we had my team and then the NICU team, but we had two NICU teams because of the babies, two babies. And so, I mean, it was the most packed room. It was not a very big room. I was not expecting that. I was expecting a very large OR. really small. It was very packed. And I remember my OB was like reading off something at the beginning, kind of getting everybody ready. And there was a moment of like quiet for a second, right? When she was done talking and I guess I was so doped up that I, I just like yelled out, all right, who's ready to meet the cutest baby <laughs> in the hospital? And I just, I don't know how many people were invested in our story. One of my good friends is on the NICU team and she was in our delivery. And so I don't know how many people she had told, but I like to think that they all knew that how long yeah. I had been there, but it, everybody cheered and Aww. was excited. <laughs> and it seemed like everyone was just excited for us. Um, so when um, I'm trying to think, Dustin, my husband came in and uh, we were just, I don't know. I felt like we were just both on cloud nine, ready to meet these boys. And my doctor, she's an amazing surgeon, did such a great job. And when our first was born, his name is Archie. He came out crying immediately. It was just a beautiful sound. And she screamed, the doctor screamed, oh, I see red hair, which is something oh. I was like praying for because I, oh. I have red hair, but I'm the only redhead in my family. So it was so exciting to see, to see red hair on my babies. And then Louie came out two minutes later. And we had two precious baby boys. The NICU team jumped right on it and they were really just both fine. I mean, of course they needed support, but if something did go wrong, I didn't notice. I mean, I was, Louie did take a little bit longer to make a noise and he came out looking a little dead, yeah. but he wasn't. <laughs> he just looked yeah. super great. But I remember my friend who's the NICU nurse, Whitney, was looking at me and had said something like, he's fine, we've got him. And I just, it was like, I got to sit there painless, just watching the whole, it was like a symphony of everybody taking care of my two babies. And I just got to sit there and watch and Dustin was going from table to table, looking at them. And, oh, it was just so fun. It was so fun. It was like the best birthday party. And it was an answer to prayers really, because I was so upset about not being able to have a natural birth, but I was also upset about the fact that I I, I knew that I would not get that immediate skin to skin time with my babies. And I was kind of angry about it. I thought, not only am I not going to get skin to skin time, I'm going to have to wait like six plus hours to go see them. That is not fair. I'm the one that had to carry them. I was so mad about that. And I carried that anger throughout my whole eight week stay until that final week when I think my grandmother kind of put it into perspective and was like, what about, you know, Dustin's going to get to go with them and have some good one-on-one time with the babies and he's going to get to bond. And that helped me a little bit. I was still, I was still a little jealous and angry, but I don't know, something I prayed a lot about. And after the babies left and Dustin went with them, I just sit there and talk with the anesthesiologist and my doctor. And then my sister came into recovery with my parents. I got to share the names that my family didn't know what we were naming the babies. And it was just such a special time just to share with them. I had Whitney, my NICU nurse friend, she brought another NICU nurse just to take pictures. So she took pictures of the whole process. I mean, everything. 
So I got to sit there afterwards and I was just reliving it and showing my family and just reliving it for the next six hours. The next six hours flew by and I, it didn't bother me once. It's like Dustin was with the babies. He FaceTimed us and I was having the best time still. I, maybe it was the drugs. <laughs> no, but it was, it was great. I did not know C-sections could be so fun. Oh. It was so fun. And the recovery was really not that bad. I mean, so if there's anyone out there that's scared of a C-section, I was too. And it was great. Oh, it was awesome. I love it. I love it. What a happy ending to this whole like drawn out process to just have that sort of experience. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Molly, before we wrap up, I have one question for you. So if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they are, maybe they just found out that they have to go in and stay in the hospital for a little while, or they are in the hospital, they've already been in the hospital for a little while. Somebody that was in your shoes What are some things that you would tell them to do? Or I know we've already kind of talked about it, but I want to just have you say a few things that maybe somebody could do or read some sort of book, or you mentioned join the Facebook group. What advice would you give those people? I would say if you can find a support group with people who are going through or who have been through what you went through or are currently Mm -hmm. going through it. In my support group, there were of course, mono, mono, mom veterans, you know, from all the ages. But then there were also some that I met who were in the exact same position as me at, in time. So there was another fourth grade teacher. It was so crazy. We found each other. I think she's in Ohio. Anyway, she might be in Ohio. But we sent messages back and forth. Like, how are you doing? She was two weeks ahead of me and she had boys. And it was like, we don't really know each other, but we texted back and forth through Facebook Messenger throughout our whole eight-week stay and the NICU stay after that. And it was so great having someone else who just, she was a stranger, but a friend at the same time. And it was wonderful having her to talk to and bounce ideas off of, or just like check in like, Hey, are your nurses doing this? Or did your doctor say this? Or how did your anatomy scan go today? And all these things. So that was huge. Having these strangers I love so much that support group means the world to me and still does today. People will post in there. There are some moms that will post pictures of their graduating Momo twins. And those pictures while I was pregnant did more to, for me than I can oh. tell you. I mean, I was like, oh, they survived. Oh, yeah. they survived. I mean, the survival rate of mono mono twins is 70%. So yeah. it was scary, yeah. you know, not knowing if and there were a lot of posts also about twin yeah. losses. And so I saw the whole spectrum of it and it not having that support group is yeah. huge. Another thing is having a calendar mm-hmm. on the wall and putting things on it and making yourself do those things, whatever they might be. Like I would put like, you know, go on a walk or, you know, I would put anyone who said they were coming to visit, I put it on the calendar and I would have the small victories or, you know, if you wanted to eat at a certain restaurant or <laughs> from a certain yeah. restaurant, put it on anything and everything that you can think of on that calendar it helps to celebrate those things and then i'd say the last thing is make a daily to-do list it can make you feel like you're not getting anything done at all or just like you're kind of i put it it made me feel like i was paused in time because i wasn't living my real world life i was living this hospital life that was just so different so making a to-do list and feeling like even if it was just like what are the top three things I want to do today. Even if showering was Mm -hmm. one of them, it made the list. So I would say those things. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Love it. How old are your babies now? They were nine weeks on Tuesday. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this really was not that long ago. 
Yeah, they were eight weeks early. So they are really just one week adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Molly, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. I think this is going to help so many people. And I'm grateful that you reached out to me. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Seriously, thank you. All of your information also helped a lot. Like finding, I learned way more about pregnancy than I knew existed from your, just your Instagram. So thank well, you. Good. That's good Mom, feedback. All the things that you share with moms, really, it, it's pretty amazing. Oh, well, thank you. What an informative episode and what an incredible story from Molly. Big thanks to her for coming on the podcast today and sharing her story. Next week on the podcast, we are doing an Ask Me Anything style podcast. I've done a few of these this year where I have you guys call in and ask me questions. And those are always a lot of fun because I get to hear your voices actually ask me the questions instead of just reading them off of Instagram you know, that's great too, but it's just fun to hear your voices. So we have a couple questions that we're going to do next week and I'm going to answer them. We're going to be talking about placenta previa and postpartum recovery. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned. I will see you guys next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth no matter how you deliver.